Welcome back, everybody. This is the podcast for Cultural Reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. And you can also find us on the Rebel Alliance Media Network. That's, uh, that's our new second home, and we are in really good company there with uh, loads of other podcasts for uh, your kids and your family to help you engage with the culture from a biblical perspective. Uh, check out the website, rebelalliancemedia.com, for blogs and articles and great resources coming out almost every day of the week. And we're, uh, we're a proud member of, uh, of the Rebel Alliance Network as well. This is the podcast that wants to show you how to think through uh, every area of life and culture from a, from a biblical perspective and how to bring, the, bring those areas into submission to King Jesus. We are here on location at my house. Uh, I'm here with my wife. Her name's Rachel and she's my wife. She's the... the uh, <laughs> of uh, my wife of almost 10 years now, love, and we're talking today about the home, the home as a cultural pressure point, the home as a front, uh, the home as a front in the cultural war that we're, we find ourselves in the midst of, and Rach has got loads of experience and done, done some uh, biblical reflection on on what it means to be uh, managing the home, what uh, what a theology of the home looks like, and I thought that uh, I would just love to bring her on and and have her have her share some of uh, some of her reflections. I'm uh, glad that you're here, love. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so th- this is this is the podcast for cultural reformation. We've been talking about cultural pressure points and. I think uh, what what a lot of people would be would be curious to hear about right out of the gate is why is the home a cultural pressure point? What it, what is it? We we tend to think of the home as a safe place, and especially mm-hmm. the Christian home. Like we see a lot of a lot of evil, a lot of uh, godlessness, sort of out there in the world, and we think of the home as a place where we can come and. And get away from all that, but uh, but what it is? What is it about the home? What is the what is the role of the home in in our current cultural conflict? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about this, and I I mean, there's that really obvious. Um, if anybody has been paying attention at all in the last few years, we know that there's this. Um, attack on roles and gender and sexuality and sort of the people who are the players in the home. So we we know that the relationships themselves um, are being, or you know, uh, the the war over the dictionary, right? So we were trying. There's a frenzy to um, redefine everything, and there's this really. You know, there's abortion, there's um, just the whole, that whole thing. That's that's no secret. If you've been paying attention at all, you know that that's a problem. But, um, and and that, that obviously affects the home. It affects the relationships that make up a home. But I think another casualty of that is 
um, the actual setting of the family, which is the home, right? It's the it's the actual place where these relationships are are acted out, and there are a lot of faithful Christians who are fighting that battle um, and wanting to, you know, fighting against abortion, fighting against um, this idea that our roles are meaningless and they should look different and all of that, but. Um, yeah, so there's this undermining of of the actual uh, actual home, but even though we are, you know, fighting that more obvious outright battle, um, what's happened is that I think our our thinking has gotten kind of murky. So we know that you know this is important, and mothers are important, and fathers are important. We talk about that, but we don't necessarily always think about. Um, how maybe we've been more influenced than we realize by the thinking. So when, when the relationships are, are under attack and there's a lot of confusion, we stop paying attention about the strategic importance of the home. So, um, yeah, so we just, we need to take back that idea that, you know, if we are, um, what the relationships that we're fighting for you, know, when those are healthy and intact, um, the the potential, if you've got a healthy marriage where everybody in the home knows what their role is and is, is living in that and um, the children are secure in that and there are children in the home, then you've got the potential that it's not just a place where we we sleep and heat up food and wash our clothes. There's the potential for so much more than just... Um, <laughs> Come here and sit by side. Come and sit here and be quiet, okay? Mummy's mummy's talking. Um yeah, so if if you've got uh if you've got a home where where people are secure, then we have the potential for our homes to be so much more than just yeah, just just a place where we take care of those necessities, right? So we we have the potential for this to be a training ground, for it to be um, a place of uh, rest and comfort and encouragement to the saints. It's a place where um, we get to work out our faith um, before going out into the real world. We have a chance to to run plays before going out and actually doing the thing. It's the huddle. It's the um it's the place where we we actually apply the sermons in real life. So I I listened recently to Joel Beakey talking about um disciplining ourselves and our children in church. So some of us probably pray before we go to church. Maybe we're we're even praying for our pastor during the week. But he was saying, you know, do we pray uh, on the way home and through the week that that sermon we just listened to would actually change us and um, have a real, a real um, tangible change in our lives, right? So we listen to a sermon and then we need to actually be changed by it. It's the word of God. Um, and we are not going to be changed just by hearing it for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes um, on a Sunday morning. We need to hear it and then we need to think about it and meditate on it. 
And um, yeah, and it, it the home is where we actually get to talk about it with our kids and try to practically live out those things that we've learned. Um, and hospitality is something that I think a lot of people, uh, Christians, think about and talk about. But um, yeah, we just need to have, we need to, to recognize that when we um, started fighting this battle about these sort of big, big things, um, we've lost a little bit uh, of the, our, our idea about the home kind of got truncated. We have a, a very limited scope of what the home is now. And um, yeah, we need to we need to take that back just because it has so much potential to be this great weapon. It, it's defensive. It's a place where we heal and we grow, but it's also so. If I, so if I if I understand you, you're saying that uh, that we've the Christian home we've basically been able to keep the right the big objects in sight, uh, but uh, but we've we've absorbed some of the uh, some of the world's thinking about what the home is and how it should operate uh, mm-hmm. what uh, what makes you say that where do, where do we see that yeah I think um yeah the whole question of worldly thinking obviously affects every area um, when we think about our homes though I think that that worldly thinking so thinking of you know we've really bought into the whole, self-care thing and um just the language of this is how i am i'm an introvert i'm an extrovert i'm this personality type or i'm a second born or we've kind of swallowed this yeah (laughs) what's what's the enneagram are they numbers i don't whatever it is don't know um yeah but that whole that whole idea the identity thing you know this whole question of identity obviously impacts um you know gender roles and sexuality but even if we're you know not outright um even if we're not confused on those fronts maybe we're not actually struggling with our sexual identity the whole language of identity has just it's so common that we've just started eating that up so you know in the 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 self-care thing we hear it constantly and especially women it's everywhere it's in the grocery store driving to the center you pass a um a fire station that had a sign um, a couple months ago that said, embrace the beautiful mess that you are. Like the fire station. Oh, man. You know, like it's everywhere. uh, not a message I want to hear from my fire station. (laughs) No. And like it's in the grocery store. It's -hmm. it's everywhere. If you go on Instagram at all, if you go on Twitter, if you go on Facebook, there are so many beautiful florals with ridiculous things about – giving you know loving yourself and giving yourself rest and we see it so much and it's said so often and who am I and how I am and how I was born that we just can't help wondering 
am I giving myself enough rest and love? And so we've kind of started thinking in those terms and in that language. So then we think, oh, my home needs to be this fluffy, soft cloud of um, comfort and um, and peace and it should never be difficult or awkward there. I don't want to invite people into my home if it's going to be difficult. Or, you know, for Christians, I think the idol of a good budget, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything, take on new expensive hobbies or, you know, have company that that's going to break the David Ramsey envelope system or, you know, like <laughs> we, we don't want to, we don't want to do anything to upset, you know, and we've got to get the paint color right. And it's all got to be comfortable and safe. And that, that really turns into sort of a, a bomb shelter that keeps everybody else out. Um, and yeah, so, so when we think of, homes now brand new builds you'll get these just insane master bedrooms huge uh, media rooms but not really uh, sensible layouts for hosting large crowds or big dining rooms or you know like we are the structure of the houses reflect that or you know we don't have guest rooms the way we used to or um or like the what's her name the sparks joy lady Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she she advises you not to keep extra sheets and towels because really, how often are you going to have company? You know, she says that in her book. Like, this is just a given. Like, don't keep the clutter of extra stuff to accommodate overnight guests because really, how common is that? You know, so it's just so part of our thinking that, like, we've got to put ourselves first, um, and we just have this huge fear of discomfort and we, you know, home equals comfort. So any sort of awkwardness at all must be avoided because opening your home to a place where you have hard discussions about real issues with your kids is uncomfortable or, you know, having guests over that might break your stuff is uncomfortable or um, you know, you just, we're just out of practice. We don't know how to do it. Um, so it might be awkward and I still find the, you know, the transitions difficult, like the people coming and the people leaving part of the visits. I'm always a little awkward about that. Um, but that doesn't actually mean I shouldn't do it. Right. So we have this, we, we overthink, um, and we, we kind of, navel gaze too much like am I good at this am I the kind of person who can have guests am I too introverted for this is this too big of a sacrifice for my family like we 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 throw up a bunch of idols um, and we built those idols in our heads because we just listened too much to the worldly talk and we've read too many Instagram posts um, and we've spent too much time thinking about our types. Um, and that's really, you know, it really does affect our immediate, um, you know, the place where we spend so much of our time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I mean, that we, we're here at home and the, like this, uh, this is a, a comfortable place mm -hmm. and I'm in sweatpants. Um, and it's like, 
Like, I, you're not you're not saying that home should be uncomfortable. Uh, no. Or, I guess maybe just uh, just say more. It's it's like you can put sweatpants on, but that doesn't mean you can stop trying. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. If we're, let, I mean, let's talk about um, hospitality. So yeah, yeah. What I was. I don't know if I actually said it. What I meant to say near the beginning was that the home is not just a place for taking care of the necessities, eating, drinking, cleaning, sleeping, Um, nor is it just a place where we do the necessities and we finally get to relax alone. Um, And... And I think a lot of Christians do have, you know, it's it's the place where we keep our stuff and cook our food and um, come in between, you know, activities. And, you know, so for, for Christians, it's, you know, this place that we are plus hospitality. Um, and I think it can be that plus so much more. We need to start thinking of our homes as, um, you know, training um for future um warriors and yeah we, you, you mentioned that at the beginning but uh, yeah say uh you just sort of danced by it say more about the home as a training ground yeah so yeah so there the home has the potential a healthy home has the potential to be so much more there's so much that can come between these four walls and um you know, there's the hospitality thing, which we should talk about, but it, the the potential for training. So um, a lot of our Christian homes have kids in it, and that's awesome. And whether or not your kids uh, spend the school hours in your home, every child is homeschooled in a sense, right? Like every parent, whether or not they think it, um, is a teacher. Your children imitate you whether or not you want them to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you teach them. I mean, we do explicitly teach them things like how to use the toilet or how to use a spoon or how to put their clothes on or how to speak. Um, and some they just do by imitation and observation. Most of it, I think, is that, you know, how to respond to to everything they watch us and see how we handle spiders and then they do that Mm -hmm. um so whether or not um we're meaning to we are our children's teachers and as christians we need to recognize this and not just say oh that's interesting i should i should you know try to um be a good example like no we've got a duty here to to do this with excellence like it's possible to do this badly and we all know that and we try to avoid it but we have an opportunity it's not just a oh this is happening like this is our chance to to talk with our kids about all of this stuff to teach them um emotional control it's not just that they're going to imitate like they're going to imitate but we can also explicitly talk to them about that um and so everybody who has talked to me for five minutes probably knows that i i really love classical christian education and uh, part of the reason i love it so much is that 
again, whether or not you're, te- you're using that sort of pedagogy and method to teach your children math and reading and phonics, that idea of um, recognizing that your children are created beings, they are image bearers who have souls and they have desires. And we need to, a, a classical education seeks to train their affections and I mean that's just that's just biblical parenting right we we have an opportunity to have conversations um you know it's it doesn't have to just be constant training uh, or it, sorry it doesn't have to be constant lecturing yeah. and discussions and those kind of things like you need to have you know you need to have the feasts and the parties and the fun you need to have the tangible expressions of the gospel as well but that doesn't that shouldn't stop you from also having explicit conversations about this stuff like we celebrate parties because um that glorifies God, our joy in feasting, you know, God throughout the Old Testament. And, you know, we know that we're looking forward to um, the marriage feast of the Lamb. Like we, so we practice, we practice by our, you know, fun Sabbath dinners and um, celebrating the gift of life in each person when we celebrate birthdays. Like, you know, we do those tangible things too. But then we say to them, this is why we do that. We catechize them, you know, and then we refer back to the catechism when those catechism questions, when we're actually dealing with a real problem in real time, you know. So you can do both in your home, whether or not you're, you know, homeschooling I guess so um and to see that as you know you've got your kids for these few brief years in your home and you have an opportunity to share with them the vision and the hope of the future you you're saying to them now you're gonna be you know like us you're also going to be warriors for the kingdom you are also going to be the king's men and women so you need to train for this Um, and we do that in so many forms right we read good books and we we talk about them and we say, we ask them questions of their stories. You know, would you do that? Um, how did, does this remind you of anything? Like we, we draw those connections by asking them questions and it doesn't have to be super heavy handed and boring, but we don't want to miss this opportunity. Um, because we, we are comfortable, we are relaxed at home and what a great time to have interesting and good conversations, to teach them to argue well, to teach them not to have their feelings hurt when somebody disagrees with them, you know? So it's a place where we can really equip them before they leave our homes, you know? <clears throat> so you're you're a stay-at-home mom and a homeschooling mom. Um, can you just can you touch on this uh, the, this idea of of vocation the vocation of motherhood the ministry mm. of motherhood and we were talking about this the other day some of the 
some of these sort of false uh, false ideas about sort of, of how do I say this? some of these false ideas or unhelpful ways that that well-meaning people have tried to to dignify mm-hmm. um, the home life. Yeah, so motherhood is something, especially I think in Christian circles, you know, you can find, I don't know, 5,000 posts on motherhood and books, and some of them are really good. Um, But there is this sense of like, we got to bolster it up because it's kind of a lousy job. Um, Or there's also a sense of like, this is the ultimate calling and you know, like this is the be all and end all of who I am and the the cornerstone of my identity. And I can't possibly um, imagine life when my children leave the nest and like all of these kind of things. So we have, you know, we, we like to, um, we like ditches. We like, we like to go to one extreme or the other. Right. But um, yeah, I just think of, you know, like motherhood is this intensive time especially when your kids are little right and it, it's it's a lot um but it changes and you will always be a mother and all of those things are true um but I think yeah I, I I'm just thinking of that you know you see all these like just a stay-at-home mom no I'm the nutrition specialist and nurse and medic and schedule coordinator and you know it gives all of these sort of corporate sounding titles to in place of the word mother um and there was a mother's day thing floating around facebook a couple years ago where they set up a job interview like a real interview and people would you know video call in for the interview and the person would start reading the job description and all the people who were interviewing for this job were like, whoa, that's impossible. It's so hard. And it ends with like, you should call your mom for Mother's Day because she did all that for you. And it's just, so there's this real sense of like, (laughs) we've got to like, yes, call your mothers for Mother's Day. You should do that. Um, But yeah, like we want to, we want to give all of these, these corporate sounding words because mother on its own is not good enough or something like you know it it sounds better to say nutritional specialist instead of the person who makes the pbjs like you know and it's like we need to take back or or we need to think of it as the person who makes the pbjs is the person who's feeding the future generations like that's a good job and you don't have to call it anything else like the lady who buys the food is a that is a good person to be that's a good label on its own um <laughs> like the person who who wipes the noses and does the band like all those little tasks are are kingdom work they are glorious work and we don't have to like yeah it's funny but like we don't have to we don't have to change them for them to be worthwhile. Um, and I think when when you do that, it kind of undermines it even more in a way. Like, you know, it makes it sound like, oh, there wasn't that much going on, but if we give it all these funny titles, then maybe she's actually doing something. Um, 
but uh, we don't need to do that. It's a it's a good job on its own, and it's a job that, um, like just as the manager of the home, it's not just the mothering that we do, right? Christian women are not just bearers of children and wipers of noses, although that's a very important part of it. Like the manager of the home, the the Proverbs thirty one woman, um is doing so many things and it's kind of hilarious that it's like are all the feminists chasing the jobs out there because actually being being the manager of her home is too hard or something like there's actually Mm -hmm. so much going on that there's so much potential for what you can do in your home um you it it does take real skill you know so i'm i'm saying on the one hand don't make up these silly titles to just say you know grocery shopper um but on the other hand like to recognize that it's not just it's not just caring for the physical needs of little children like a christian woman is supposed to be showing hospitality and that's not just you know, dinner parties or, you know, play dates. Like hospitality means having people sleep over even if you don't have a beautiful guest room. Um, or, you know, or or caring for your aging parents in your own home or so many other things. You know, it's it's managing um It is managing schedules and recognizing and discerning, is this an appropriate activity for our family? Should we be, um, should we be doing this? How can we uh, be serving our church with our home? Like there's just, there are so many parts of it. And um, if we really embraced this calling, like we actually have time to learn so much, to take on uh, new skills. And I, I do want to just qualify that if you are in the really young years, you probably don't have time to like learn a new language or something. But, um, you know, that is actually a relatively short phase and there will be time when Mm -hmm. the kids are Mm -hmm. a bit older. So not to overwhelm anybody who's like got the newborn twins at home or something. Yeah. But, um, so again, that's, that's cool. (laughs) I'm, uh, thanks. (laughs) But we're, we're here. We're, we're like the, the second generation from, uh, since organized feminism became a movement and, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of women decided that they didn't want to be in the home, uh, and a lot of women are have grown up being raised uh, by or in that uh, that environment where you don't need to, or maybe you even shouldn't um, mm. be in the home. Um, but but uh, I don't know. Maybe like, uh, what's what's my question here? Like, what are they? What What's a what's a woman to do who mm. who feels the calling to the home? Right. Right. So I think we had talked about this a little bit before. We've got this whole, you know, this was never modeled for me kind yeah, of yeah. kind of situation. And again, we go back to that we gotta really check our own thinking process here. 
are we very quickly falling into the trap of or 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 making excuses like are we very quickly going to an excuse over effort and you know uh, recognizing that maybe we can just try. So you've got somebody who will say, you know, my mother, my mother never cooked. I don't, I don't really cook. And it's like, okay, that's too bad. Maybe there's something there you need to deal with, deal with. Um, but if you are going to, to live, um, you know, a full Christian life, then it actually doesn't matter if your mother didn't teach you because you can learn. You know, you, most of us probably know somebody who's a pretty good cook. And, um, you know, on the one hand, hospitality does not mean, or even cooking for your own family does not mean making gourmet meals every night. For some people, that's what it does look like. But um, for others, it really doesn't. And it's so much about your heart and attitude of the thing. If you are not willing to try, um, that's, that's just not good enough. You know, like we we're called to try, we're called to make an effort. So to just say, well, I was, it wasn't modeled for me. It's like, okay, too bad. There's YouTube, there are websites, there are women at church, there's your friend down the road. Like there are resources to, to educate yourself. And frankly, if you don't have a desire, pray for it. You know, like you can do that. Prayer is very practical. You can pray to the Lord. Like, you know, if you want me to be doing more with my time and my energy, then, you know, give me, give me the motivation to do it. Give me even a love to do it. Um, so yeah, we, we fall into, we fall into excuses very, very quickly. So I, I mean, I think we just need to go out and find people to ask. Or, I mean, like the internet is a thing. Like we can use it <laughs> to learn stuff. <laughs> I can't remember what was, was there another part of that question? No, that was, that was most of it with just what's uh, yeah. a, a Christian woman who... Oh, yeah, yeah. Just So we, we, need to, we need to be really honest with ourselves and our thinking and look at what excuses we might be making. You might not, you know, I... Um, so I also, if you've talked to me at all for like five minutes, you know I like to knit. So people will look at that and say, oh, you mu- you just, you're so talented. And it's like, well, no, actually anybody could learn to knit the only difference is that I had an inclination to try you know like it I I it it wasn't that I have some like magical knitting gene or something it's like I I decided to try and I practiced you know so this is these are things and then that's not to say that everybody should knit or everybody should bake bread or everybody should learn how to you know, perfectly cook a steak. It it just means that there's a big difference between not being able to do something and not being willing to try to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So the other part of it then is that um, we need to really, um, we, first we need to recognize that this is a a calling and a duty and a vocation of ours. Like this is something that we ought to be doing as Christians. Um, you know, as Christian, I, 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 I can 
talk specifically to Christian women and say like this is something whether you're single whether you live in an apartment whether you have roommates whether you are married whether you have children or you know this is something you know to be living a full Christian life as a Christian woman specifically is something we need to do. So we need to, I mean, people listening to this podcast probably already know that or believe that. If if we're, if we're new to this or if we're not particular, like we need to, we need to get our thinking right on this. So we need to fill our heads with scripture about it and we need to be, reading books about it like we need to recalibrate our brains here like we need to start thinking okay the home is more than just the place where we sleep the home has um has the potential for so much more and so as the person in the home um managing this front what can I do what ought I to do and really start like we need to we need to be honest with ourselves and look at our excuses and repent if need be. And then we need to say, okay, now I need to I need to get my thinking right. So this is where praying and reading the Bible and and asking for help and finding people to learn from is very important. And we need to do that. We need to we need to be thoughtful thoughtful women. We need to not just you know, listen to the sermons, listen to our husbands um, talk about these great theological ideas, and then, you know, Google, uh, you know, how do the pagans feed their babies? <laughs> or, you know, yeah. that's maybe not a good example. Like, But just we need to not <laughs> immediately go to the world yeah. for every other thing. Like, and I do, I do go to non-Christian websites to learn how to fold a fitted sheet sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm really bad mm-hmm. at it. So I didn't learn that one very well. But I, there are good practical ideas. Like we can go to non-Christian websites to learn how to bake bread. I'm not saying that. But we have this divide between, okay, church, theology, all that good stuff. And then the actual practical living out of our, of our role. And I think we need to make sure that when we're doing when we're doing the practical things like feeding our babies we have in the back of our minds constantly to the glory of christ it's important you know i'm just thinking about like parenting especially Mm -hmm. you know we do not want to be going to all the websites on you know five tips to deal with your troubled toddler that involve um ignoring it until it goes away you know, like yeah. we need to, yeah. we need to say, is this method, is this idea that I'm looking, um, you know, this practical tip to manage the kids or whatever, is this really in line with scripture? We need to be discerning and we can't ever, like, and again, this doesn't have to be this burdensome, dreary thing where, oh, you know, we've got to think back to that. Like, no, we've got the Bible. It's good. We can go and search for all kinds of things out there, mm-hmm. but we just need to be careful. And my, like, we just have to have that, um, that in the back of our mind, like, Ultimately, I'm doing this as a Christian. I'm feeding 
the mush to the babies as a Christian. So mm-hmm. when I'm when I get yeah. all in a to tiz to the glory of God, right? So when I get it all in a tiz and I'm all anxious, like do I do baby led weaning or do I puree all my homemade baby food or do I buy the organic stuff from you know like we don't need to be you know when we're making those decisions we ought not to be anxious because the bible says not to be and we can look at it and say the lord wants me to feed my children i am not making a morally bad decision when i'm choosing to buy the baby food instead of make it myself you know like we need to we need to take those practical things and keep them in their right position under God in scripture, you know? So it's like, okay, church on Sunday, and then I'm going to get all worked up over here about the practical aspects of motherhood, you know? So we need Uh to just, Uh we need to make sure, we need to put some effort and work into thinking, um, thinking properly about all of these things. Yeah, there's a, uh, I think, I think the biblical term for being willing to try is just, faithfulness mm-hmm. like and and then the so the the opposite side of that if you're if you're not willing to try is is being unfaithful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like i just i don't when i picture you know a godly christian woman what i'm not seeing is somebody who's kind of laid back to the point of laziness you know or somebody Mm -hmm. who's just sort of like totally indifferent you know we're supposed to be engaged and i mean not everybody needs to be bouncy ball energetic but we need to be engaged maybe that's the best word you know and um engaged in what we're in our in our job like taking it seriously enough you know not being super um not making too much of you know the the methods but really focusing and thinking about um yeah thinking about the principles that are are under or are over all of these things and um yeah just the we we are all created differently. We all have different personalities. So while I'm not really uh, for personality tests, I do recognize that there are different kinds of people. And that means that some of us, you know, we, we all have different gifts and different temptations. So for me, I'm not particularly uh, tempted to, um, you know, I don't know, what's it? good example no you're tempted in a lot of directions (laughs) i can't even decide which temptation to use as an example (laughs) yeah i mean some people would be really tempted to um maybe overdo it and have company constantly to the detriment of their you know their kids and their husband are sick of it and it's like no 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 we're gonna go out and we're gonna do this thing and we're gonna have this activity and and maybe that's your temptation maybe you're you know so extremely outgoing and you just want to constantly be with people and that's it's too much and you know faithfulness for you would mean to you know, step back, maybe have more nights at home. But then there are going to be other people who are tempted to never have a soul over because they're just too tired. And um, so, 
we have to recognize that our temptations are not things to stop us from doing things, but instead we need to look at them as opportunities to sacrifice to the Lord. Like here is something that I can I can show my willingness to love the Lord and obey him by by doing this in spite of my temptation or not doing it in spite of my desire. You know, like temp- are, the way we are made, the differences in us, just it's it's God's beautiful expression of, you know, we are all, we are not boring robots. We have, we are, we have these differences and we get to glorify him in all, lots of different ways. Um, and so for some of us, that means, the sacrifices look differently. Um, yeah, I, I read, um, you know, just the the idea, like one of the dangers of the whole um, personality type things is that we then use them. We we tend to be way too introspective then. And, you know, how, how would I respond? And I would respond this way. And we make much of our responses. And then we use that as an excuse, like, because I'm so terribly introverted, I can't, you know, to host a big family dinner would be too great a sacrifice for me because, you know, we spend so much time thinking about how we are tempted Mm -hmm. that we use it then. They become, you know, these huge hindrances and we get all, you know, if, if then we do do it, it's like, well, that was so hard for me. I must be pretty awesome if I could, in spite of my personality, do this faithful thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, so there, there's just a lot of pitfalls there. Yeah. And I mean, like going hand in glove with that, like scripture commands to our weakness, Mm -hmm. right? Like if it, if it were, easy to to have people in the home all the time or not all the time but if it were were easy to do that we wouldn't have to be exhorted to practice hospitality Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we i think um i i think for us the 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 idols of you know comfort and um i i know i mentioned that before like we really um I mean, we make idols of everything. We find excuses not to be faithful everywhere. Um, but we really need to, um, yeah, I mean, that that beautiful, glorious truth that if we truly die to in Christ, like we are, we are willing to just um, forego all of our rights. We actually get ourselves back so much better you know um we the things that we are capable of in christ when we're really not focusing on ourselves and our needs and our personality is just you know (laughs) um and like not to say (laughs) i have a good example of this so um, barbecuing is not a thing that I'm good at mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. couple, you know, can you... confirm. <laughs> I didn't do that bad. Listen. So <laughs> it's something I would not have even been willing to try, uh, you know, years ago. It was like, if, if barbecuing is on the table, 
I'm not the one cooking. There's just no way. So then it started like, oh, okay, no, I need to try. And I'm willing to try for the first time, you know, this just through this process of sanctification. So it's like, okay, I'm going to try. I'm still not that experienced at it. And then we had people over and it's like, okay, I'm going to do the barbecuing. And I, I burnt it to just scorched unedible (laughs) right as company was coming with no backup so like i was willing to try and i didn't do a good job (laughs) like i failed i ruined it no but ryan saved the day by you saved the day i'm talking to you you saved the day by bringing uh bringing more food um but it's just that like we need to be willing to try we need to be okay with our guests showing up and us being like, sorry, I killed dinner. Like I, <laughs> um, you know, I've ruined it. But but to to just laugh it off and, you know, and then try again, not be like, well, I burned it. Never going to do that again. Barbecuing is not for me. I am, I am, you know, an anti-barbecue personality type. It's, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> so, and I might, I mean, the fact is, if you're around, you're still going to be the person who barbecues. Like right. if somebody yeah. else can do it, I'm going to, I'm going to pass that on. But I'm willing, you know, it's just the willingness to, on the silly things, on the unimportant things, just a willingness to do it. Like I used a power washer for the first time in my life which i again i would not have done i was way too scared of those things was it fun it was fun <laughs> it's very satisfying yeah <laughs> did you break anything with it no nice good going <laughs> well thanks thanks a lot for doing this with me before we wrap up uh what are some resources that uh Christian women who might be listening uh, can uh, can check out if they want to learn more about sort of the role of the home, the calling of motherhood. Um. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, there's so much good stuff. I really like, um, I really like Rachel Jankovic. I, um, she has a couple books on um, motherhood from a while back um loving the little years and fit to burst they're really short they're funny um the chapters are short very easy to read um and just really encouraging and a lot of practical um practical stuff thrown in there and then just recently and i think this one is really important for us now uh it's called you who um who you are and why it matters on just uh, on christian identity um, and understanding who we are um, in light of Christ. And, you know, she talks about how we've gotten to this muddled thinking on self. And then um, Becca Merkel's um, Even Exile is so good. She talks about, she goes through the history of feminism and um, just explains it really well and uh, talks you through it and um and then she she just in that book she just talks about how like we're you know we're kind of in shambles that you know christian or uh, uh what it means to be feminine and all of those kind of questions like it's kind of it's kind of all fallen apart but we are in this opportunity you know now that the 
now that the kitchen got flooded and we have to tear out the floors and redo the cabinets, um, we don't just have to, you know, throw back the same ugly uh, floor laminate that we didn't really like to begin with. We have the opportunity to build it back beautifully and well, you know. So we it's not just we should go back to the 50s the, the, or... The, the laminate is a metaphor, right? Yes, the okay. laminate is the metaphor. <laughs> yeah, so read the book. It's really good on just, um, like, I, the, just, just viewing this as here is our chance to really, um, yeah, to really build back up a, um, you know, what it means to be a Christian woman, um, and and knowing understanding where we've come from and how we got here um i think those those books are really helpful um the other one that i'm not to recommend it you know with quite as much um enthusiasm but it's still really good is uh, the gospel comes with a house key by rosaria butterfield so on the topic of hospitality just um embracing um yeah, really challenging what Christian hospitality might look like. So I, I don't agree wholeheartedly with everything she says, but I think it's a really good book and a really challenging. And I know a lot of other um, women who have really benefited from reading it. So that's another another good one. And on it, I mean, just as a practical tip, we need to, I mean, we need to read the Bible and pray and understand and think of these things as practical exercises reading the bible does change you when you come to it with humility and um cheerful submission and you know we we need to pray in a way that you know pray like we mean it pray like we actually think it's going to change our feelings about the thing we're praying about or mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. but also just you know taking the time to actually read, maybe watching a little less TV um, and doing a little more reading um, to, to really get our, get our heads around uh, these things. Um, it's, it's worthwhile. And just talking to people, you know, any, anybody who is passionate about their, their area, their vocation, um, even if it's not the, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking, listening to, um, your episode on, um, comedy with what, Chris, oh, yeah, Wein Chris Wineland. Yeah. Just listening to that. Like I have no immediate plans to become a comic, but listening to him talk about it was really encouraging and inspiring because it's like, oh, you can be a Christian in this realm. Like I haven't thought about that, but he clearly has. So to hear other people talk about glorifying Christ in their area um, is really, I don't know. It's really, it's really helpful to just see, yeah, oh, I can sure. do this. Like it, it can be this, it can be in all of these different areas and all of these different fields. Right. So there you have it. Listen to more of the podcast. <laughs> check out to check out those books. Rach, thanks very much for agreeing to do this with me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please take a moment to like, share, and rate the podcast on social media and your favorite listening platform. 
For more resources, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca.